Thanks for downloading this podcast from RNIB Connect Radio. It's time once again for our monthly catch-up with Tristan Parker at eAccess Bulletin. Now, this is a monthly uh, free publication which can be sent to your inbox and has all sorts of information on assistive technology and even a chance to send letters asking for some help and advice. Tristan, thank you for joining us. Hi, Alan. Okay, well, let's dive straight in then and have a look at just some of the items coming up in the next free edition. We're going to start off with some news about an online uh, system to allow people to protest. This is called the Disability March, and it's uh, it's a really interesting concept. Essentially, it's, I suppose, an an online march that was organised to tie in with the huge women's march that happened in Washington, D.C. back in sort of late January to celebrate and stand up for equality, democracy, diversity, women's rights, and all those kind of values. And in particular, the people marching wanted to kind of highlight those causes, I suppose, to the new administration of Donald Trump, who was inaugurated the day before. So a lot of, a huge amount of people took part in that march and all around the globe on similar marches. Obviously, it's difficult for some people with a disability or an impairment to attend these marches physically. They may not have the health to be able to, to go out and do it. So this Disability Online March was organised for those people. It's essentially a blog, I suppose. And people signed up to the blog to take part, left a photo of themselves and their story on the blog. And these were then shared with other users and over Twitter so that everyone could see it. And in this way, people were kind of counted as marchers, I suppose, in a separate context. It was organized by a lady in Connecticut called Sonia Huber. And I chatted to Sonia to find out a bit more about the march and how technology can empower people with disabilities. And that makes up the feature for this month's issue. Fantastic. And and something could be used for different kinds of protests and demonstrations, I suppose. So a, a great idea there, Tristan. Now, w- with more and more of us buying things online, you know, the web seems to be the place if you want to look for pretty much anything now. You're also going to be looking at online accessibility and an audit. The results of a new study that have come in recently, they've shown that six popular UK retail websites would actually fail a sort of basic accessibility test using a series of guidelines called the Web Content Accessibility Guidelines. Those guidelines are kind of seen as the standard benchmark, I suppose, for online content being made accessible for people with disabilities. So the people behind this research gave a kind of mini accessibility audit to these six popular uh, websites. And the findings were obviously quite varied. Some sort of fared better than others and some did okay but essentially the sort of take-home message was that all six sites would actually fail this basic test for a sort of standard level of accessibility which means that in theory people with a range of disabilities would find it difficult sometimes impossible to actually buy products from these websites so in the article I, I go into a bit more detail about some of the issues that cause these accessibility barriers on the websites. And I take a look at some suggestions for the research on how retailers can actually make their sites a bit more user-friendly and accessible. And think how much money 
the retailers could be missing out on if their websites are not accessible and also you know sometimes you get some really good discounts on websites that you wouldn't get on the high street so uh, yeah let's have a look at apps this time and uh, one particular one you're going to be focusing on is called iPoly. This app has actually been around for a little while but it's about to be released on the Android system as well as for the iPhone. So the tagline of this app is Vision Through Artificial Intelligence, which (laughs) should hopefully give you some idea of what the creators are trying to do, but also probably makes it sound a little bit more complicated than it is. Essentially, the app is there to help people who are blind or have a visual impairment to recognize items and objects. So users download the app onto their phone. When they point their phone at an item, the app will then recognize it. It sort of comes preloaded, I suppose you might say, with around a thousand or so objects that the app will automatically recognize. And users can then help the app to kind of learn more, I suppose. The more things you recognize, the more data that you give to the app and the more times you use it, it begins to sort of learn more about the kind of objects that you're looking at. And it feeds that information back to the user. There are a lot of apps which do similar things in one way or another for blind and visually impaired people. There's a bit of talk around this one. It won a lot of awards last year, so there's a bit of a buzz around it. With the uh, the bulletin itself, people can get in touch with you with questions for you and some of the other readers as well. So do you have an example for us today? So last issue, someone actually got in touch to ask if other readers had any knowledge or research of online retail accessibility so going back to what we were talking about earlier this month we've had uh, another reader write in so this chap is called rick williams and rick replies to the previous comments with this answer i was one of the joint authors of the click away pound report which researched the commercial issues regarding website and app accessibility One of the many interesting things that came out of the research was that one person's accessible site was someone else's inaccessible site. We asked people to nominate their best and worst sites in terms of their access needs, and many sites appeared on both lists from different users. Clearly, the issue was the effect of their disability and their associated access needs. So I think what Rick is saying is that a site that's inaccessible for one person may be usable for someone else and vice versa. There's really not one sort of one-size-fits-all approach to online retail sites. But essentially, the headline message is that there needs to be more done to make these sites more accessible for people with disabilities because they're just not quite accessible enough at the moment. As I said earlier there, you know, if your site's not accessible, you're missing out on uh, someone spending money there. So uh, all important these days, Tristan. Right, just a a bit of a flavour then of the uh, most recent e-access bulletin, Tristan. If people would like to receive that or perhaps find out a little bit more about e-access bulletin or perhaps even submit a letter or an answer, how do they do that? People can sign up to the bulletin free. It's just a once a month email with uh, the kind of news and features we've been talking about. To do that, you just need to go to the following web address. And I should say that there's no www in front of this. You don't need to put that in. You just need to put in lists.headstar.com. So I'll spell that out quickly. That's L-I-S-T-S dot H-E-A-D-S-T-A-R dot com. You can also get an idea of some of our content by looking on our blog, www 
headstar.com slash E-A-B live, which is all one word. Our Twitter handle is at eaccessbulletin. It's always great to hear from people over social media. And also people can email in with any comments, ideas, suggestions, thoughts for things that we should be covering or requests for information from other readers. So you can reach me personally on the following email, eaccessbulletin at gmail.com. Tristan, look forward to the next edition and we'll catch up again next month. In the meantime, thank you for speaking with us on RNIB Connect Radio. Great. Thanks very much, Alan. For more downloads like these, visit rnibconnectradio.org.uk slash podcasts.